What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you'll feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of 305 Culture with JJ Rivera. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, and X's and O's NBA Breakdown. Plus, our coaching-focused podcast, Drive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, JJ Rivera, and welcome to 305 Culture, a podcast where you feel the heat. Now let's get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, today I am joined by Aaron Washington. You guys might remember him from an earlier episode where we did a finals preview. So, after the Heat's exciting but bitter end to the season, so we're going to discuss a preview of the coming season. So, without further ado, let's welcome Aaron Washington. Aaron, how have you been doing, buddy? Fantastic, man. JJ, thanks for having me back on the program. And I'm really just shocked that uh, the last time I was on the pod was our last appearance uh, for last season in the finals. And now we find ourselves at the beginning of another season. So I'm just kind of shocked that um, things kind of turned out the way they did last season. But I'm proud of the team and excited to be back at the start of another season. Although we're facing an uphill battle, coming off a little bit less rest than most of the teams in the NBA. But in any case, excited, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, uh, thank you for coming, man. And yeah, the... The short rest is something that I've addressed, uh, well, I, I have discussed here on the pod, and it's something that definitely worries me. We had 72 days of rest since the last game that we played. The Only the Lakers had less rest, and it was it's just by a day. So the Heat and the Lakers are number one and number two in terms of the shortest offseason any team has ever had. So we're... we're we're certainly on unprecedented times, if you haven't noticed. But yeah, the season's gonna be really challenging, I think, in terms of the of the mental fortitude that's gonna take and the physical uh, the physical toll that's gonna take on some players. And I'm really worried about that, but I'm also really excited that the NBA is back. So anyway, let's jump right in. After such an impressive finals run, will the Heat enter with? Much higher expectations than they entered last, last season. I remember most people had them in the lower seats for the playoffs. And then, surprise, surprise, we made the finals. I'm going to be honest. I, I I love the Heat, but I didn't expect them to make the finals. I, I was still really happy that they did, which is because, uh, as I've discussed in other episodes, what it, what it does for our, our young guys and what it means for the, for the state of the team. So anyway, Aaron, I wanted to ask you, what are some reasonable expectations for the Miami Heat this season? Well, I think if you're trying to evaluate where Miami is going to finish, uh, it's a little bit more difficult this time around. Uh, we have teams like Brooklyn and uh, Philadelphia that are retooled. Uh, they're bringing back some important pieces, but at the same time, they made some upgrades. And uh, they're definitely going to be knocking on the door of the um, Easter Conference crown, so to speak. 
So you definitely have to give them their due uh, when it comes to just sorting out everybody in that conference. But from Miami's perspective, I think a reasonable assumption would be that they finish in the top half of the Eastern Conference. And, you know, you're looking at a team that's has, has a lot of chemistry coming back. And that's very important in this season. It has a sh- such a short turnaround. Uh, the roster is mainly the same. The core is intact. Everybody knows the role. And, you know, it's a gritty group of players. You know, they, they live for moments like this, for challenges like um, having the sh- one of the shortest off seasons in history. And, you know, well-coached, very stable organization. So, you know, when I'm trying to project where they'll finish, I mean... I think somewhere between the fourth and fifth seed is very obtainable, uh, maybe even third in a really good scenario. Uh, finished last season with 44 wins. Uh, you know, it might be a little bit different since we only have 72 games total this season. But, you know, I would peg them for having home court advantage in the playoffs, uh, you know, at the very least. Uh, just looking at the pieces that are bringing back and the momentum they're carrying over from last season, which wasn't that long ago. So even though some guys may rest a little more, there may be some load managing uh, Miami has a very strong offense that they brought in from last season. Uh, some young players that will improve, like Duncan and Tyler and Bam, uh, coming off of an incredible season of his own. And everybody has a chip on their shoulder. You just heard about it recently. That the, every player and the, the whole team really feels as though they're being slighted with the lack of you know national coverage. You know the lack of national TV games maybe to start the season, yeah. and you know just having that finals loss is really motivating for them. So uh, I expect them to have another strong regular season and, you know, maybe even another deep playoff run. Second round, I think, should be the floor for them and maybe even another Eastern Conference finals, finals appearance. They definitely have that in them. And uh, I'm excited to see what this core can do with another year under their belt with a nice mix of veterans and and young guys. Yeah, I'm really, uh, I'm certain that our players have heard the certain Certain anonymous executives that have said that Miami's finals run was more of a fluke. I I'm just gonna go right out and say there's no such thing as a fluke finals run. They absolutely earned their spot there. They beat every team they face on the way fair and square. By the way, they just a reminder to people they beat the team with the best regular season record this the last season, who had one of the best regular seasons ever. People forget that, and they beat them fair and score in five games, and then they beat the Celtics, a young team, and we can't forget the Pacers. Those that even though we swept them, that Pacers team was pretty frisky. But I think that we listen. It doesn't matter that we well, we fell short in the in the finals. I certainly think that the elk we might have a chance of, of a different outcome had everybody entered healthy from from game one. But hey, that's what that you got to play the cards that you're dealt with. But uh, uh, there's no such thing as a fluke finals run. Some reasonable expectations that I have for the Heat. Well, let's talk about some unreasonable and reasonable expectations. Well, let's call that ceiling and floor. I see the ceiling for this team as being a number, number, number two seed, maybe. Because here's the thing. I think that the first two seeds were Toronto and Milwaukee last season. If not, yes, they, they were. Toronto, I think, will take a step back. They have, they're have they really well coached. They have an excellent organization over there. But they took some really pretty heavy losses. I think the Serge Ibaka one will probably hurt them the most. They also lost Serge Barca Sol. I think 
the Marco Sol one is maybe easier to stomach, but the Serge Ibaka, man, uh, I think that was that was pretty tough for them. He he had such an excellent season for them last last year. The Celtics they got worse. They lost Gordon Hayward and they didn't exactly address the roster issues that they had. I don't think Jeff Jeff Teague moves the needle for them. Maybe Philly is the most improved out of the six locks for the playoffs that we're going to talk about later. And Brooklyn, Brooklyn's something new. Brooklyn's more of a wild card. I think Brooklyn could go as high as, as number two or number one, or they could go, go as low as number five or number six because they, as you said, this is going to be a very short offseason. This is going to be a very short training camp. And with two guys in, in Katie and Kyrie coming back from injury and new head coach and Listen, they, they, they're they going to have a top five offense, that's for sure. But their defense is what worries me. Kevin Durant is may, may, maybe comes back to being an excellent offensive player. But the defense is, I think, is a major question mark coming off that injury. So anyway, so the ceiling for this Heat team is number is the number two seed. And I, will, I feel like the floor could be the, the fifth seed. Would you say that's fair? I, w- I would say that's fair. Uh, you know, those teams that you mentioned before, uh, I think that, you know, I'll go back to the importance of just chemistry and just knowing your roles. Uh, those teams like Brooklyn, you're di- I feel like they're going to be at a disadvantage for sure, just because, you know, that training camp you mentioned, and then also Boston and Toronto, like they lost some pieces. So that opens the door a little bit for Miami to maybe slip into a higher seed than they finished last season with, which was five. And uh, I think the you know there's definitely potential for Brooklyn to be that one or two C like you mentioned. So uh, you know them and I think Milwaukee again will have a fantastic record. I don't see them finishing with any worse than maybe the second C themselves. So uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that for the most part. Uh, I'm not sure if two would be the absolute ceiling. I mean, it's possible, but uh, I would go three to be on the safe side. Because uh, Philadelphia could actually surprise us and make a little bit more of a run with those shooters they've added in their rotation. And, you know, those other two teams, Boston and Toronto, like, you know, on paper, they look worse, but they are well coached and they do have strong uh, veterans and, you know, nice mix of talent on those teams. So the, basically the fact of the matter is it's a deep conference and uh, you can't really take anything for granted there. So, yeah, I don't think Miami slips too far down. But I think their ceiling might be a little bit limited just because of the power, the star power that's, that's in that conference now. But yeah, I, w- I would say that's an accurate, um, an accurate estimate for the Heat. Not too high, not too low, you know. Yeah, I th- I think for Boston, their biggest, if they were to stay the same as they did last season, or if they're to take a jump, it, it all depends on Tatum and how much he keeps on climbing that that top level player ladder. If he plays like a top 10 player this season, I certainly think that Boston could be very good. However, that's a, that's a big what if. Where Tatum showed flashes that he could be that guy. But we have to see him how, we have to see him do it for a full regular season, is what I'm trying to say. But anyway, I mentioned that those six teams are pretty much my locks to make the playoffs. I don't, I don't know if you have any other surprise team in those six teams. But yeah, let's run them down again. Miami, Brooklyn, Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Toronto. I'm operating under the assumption that Milwaukee will take the first seed for the third season in a row. 
I think that's reasonable. They're still a, they still have a, a heck of a team, and they upgraded their one of the biggest biggest weaknesses, which was Eric Bledsoe, a point guard. With uh, I mean, no slight to him, but it, these last two playoffs, he he really struggled. And Drew Holiday, I think, is a clear upgrade for them. He provides them with the with probably the same caliber of defense, all all defensive team type of defense, and a man and a substantial upgrade on offense. Where do you think Miami ranks among those teams? Uh, looking at your list here, JJ, I would say that they're still in the upper tier. So, uh, you know, Milwaukee for sure going to be strong again. Um, that roster is just tailor made to be a strong regular season team because you have that balance of of star power. You have the Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis who operate together, and, and you know they're going to be very stingy, stingy defensively. But they'll maintain spacing with guys like Brooke Lopez in the lineup. Missing Wesley Matthews, I think, is going to be a little bit underrated for them. I don't think we're really kind of like talking about that much losing him. It will hurt a little bit, uh, but they have a balanced lineup, I believe, and uh, one that can operate very well, even if Giannis was to miss a few games here or there or Chris Middleton. Uh, so, I mean, I would put Miami somewhere in the middle of that mix, uh, you know, somewhere behind Milwaukee and then possibly Brooklyn. From there, it gets kind of interesting and it gets kind of muddy because you're looking at Boston and Toronto my big concern for Boston is what, what does Kemba look like is he going to be in and out of the lineup all season uh, he had another procedure on his knee that's going to require him to be out until at least mid to late January so I think his long-term health is in question and he really means a lot to that team even with his weaknesses of his own with Toronto you mentioned that front court is going to look a lot different and they're going to have some some uh, production offensively and defensively to compensate for. So that puts them in a precarious situation of their own. But again, man, Philadelphia, I just have a feeling that things are going to start clicking for Embiid and Simmons with the, the resurgence of that shooting that they were missing for a couple years. That's going to mean a whole lot to those guys. So you don't know where they can end up. You know, if their offense starts clicking, man, I mean, they can make a run for their, for, for themselves. So somewhere in the middle for Miami, I think it's a safe bet uh, because they're well coached and they have some great players, but I'm not sure if they have that top end, especially coming off of less rest and probably coasting a little bit during the season at points to really make a run for the top. And I don't think they want a top spot, honestly, talking about seeding, but uh, I would put somewhere Miami somewhere in the middle that makes it kind of put it plainly, man. Yeah. I Listen, I'm... Philadelphia has been teasing us with the with those two guys for the last what three years. We we say that this is their year, this is their year. Everybody thought that next season they were going to be incredible. I was one of those people that thought at least defensively they were going to be astounding, but that wasn't the case. But I think this is the best roster that they've assembled since the well, not the best roster, but the best fit that they've assembled around Simmons and Embiid since their first season they played together. I think that was probably the best they have looked as a duo. Would you say that? Because they had Robert Covington, Dario Saric on on the front court, and they got a lot of spacing. So you, so the the Sixers went and tried to replicate that with Danny Green and Seth Curry, and they still got Shake Milton. So I think they they might be really good, and they've got a new coach, which provides a a new level of unpredictability because there's a new voice in the room and maybe they they respond better to that voice I think uh, 
Brett Brown's probably a fine coach, but I think maybe he he was starting to his voice was starting to fall on deaf ears. That's usually I think that was it was Phil Jackson who said that coaches have a certain life shelf life on a team and then they just the the message starts to get lost. Which I don't think though I think the Bulls of the nineties might disagree. Well certainly helps when you have the greatest player of all time. But that's a topic for another day. Anyway, I think that Miami ranks probably between third or fourth among those teams. On paper, Brooklyn looks incredible. But as I said, that those chemistry issues could really come to come to light in during the regular season, especially with Kevin Durant having not played for a full year now. And, and, you know, to say it, Katie and Kyrie are two, I think both are the most mercurial stars in the league, I think. But I think they've got something good there, They at least offensively. So I think Miami ranks firmly between third or fourth among those teams, which I would, I would assume is a pretty safe bet, which you said is in the middle of the pack. Now... Let's move on to something that I I really like to do. I know it's a bit of a a bit too early because there are a lot of, a lot of surprises. But what awards do you think any of our players can be serious contenders for? I have Bam as one of my favorites for Defensive Player of the Year. How about you? So I'll go with I'll, I'm definitely with you on that Bam for Defensive Player of the Year. He was already in the mix. He got some votes last season, and he's only going to get better at age 23. He's seen a lot and done a lot in the bubble specifically. I think he saw a lot of um, a lot of different um, game plans, offensive game plans from the Lakers, from the Bucks, from the Celtics that are very ingenious. Because you think about those coaches, like um, it, it's just like Brad Stevens. You know, he's a he's an, he's a genius when it comes to drawing up plays, and he saw a lot. And I think he's going to assimilate a lot of that information and carry it over to next season, and he's going to be even better. So I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, he really challenges for that top spot next season. But I'll throw out another one for you, JJ. How about Tyler Hero for most improved player? Oh, you know, that's a, it, that's it, a good one. It, it might be a, a slightly kind of hotter take because he was already pretty good as a rookie. But just looking at his confidence and just looking at what the bubble did for him, this is why a lot of teams were so, I almost want to say jealous that they didn't get a chance to compete in the bubble because it's just another proving ground for players and another opportunity for them to kind of find themselves and to gain confidence and just really make their mark on the league. So Tyler had that chance. He took full advantage of it. So if he's coming into this next season and, you know, maybe he starts coming off the bench, uh, but gains a starting role during the season and, you know, his points per game take a nice leap. I mean, when it comes to most improved, that's probably the one and the only categories that really matter is points per game. <laughs> you know, we were looking at like Devontae Graham last season. It's like, wow, look, he went from five points per game to like 18 points per game or something like that. Like, yeah, he should win most improved. So when it comes down to it, that's really what people look at. And I think he's going to, he's definitely going to have that. So yeah, sure. The shooting percentages might go up and some other things might come together for him. But that points per game, man, if he just starts scoring the rock like crazy, which is one of his primary roles now that the Heat have discovered that he's a great playmaker, he's a great shot creator, and he's just a big bucket guy when you need one in the worst way down the stretch. 
then um, yeah, it puts him in prime position to be one of those guys. So that's that's my pick right there for the Heat. And I mean, it's yeah, may, might not be the most um, sexy pick, might not be the the most uh, you know agreed upon or the consensus pick, so to speak. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds himself at least in the conversation, even if he doesn't win it. Kind of like Bam was last season for a most improved player. Yeah, I think I think that's a good pick. However, I'm I think I'm gonna. I think I'm going to push back on, on that a little bit because most improved doesn't typically go to second-year players because they're expected to improve. But if he makes a massive if he makes a massive jump, well, I think he'll certainly be under consideration. I think it all comes down to if Spo decides for him to start instead of Duncan because we the Heat have an interesting backcourt proposition. I think. I think Bradley's going to start. I think that's a given, given our, our defensive ish issues last season. On offense, we'll figure it out. He's a capable shooter. Now, if you have Bradley in the in the backcourt, then you're going to need somebody that can create, aside from Jimmy, because Jimmy's our primary, primary playmaker in that lineup. So I think Tyler could probably help out in that department. Our defense might suffer a bit because Tyler's certainly not a good defensive player. And I don't know. I saw a clip the other day about some of the some of the defensive struggles that Tyler Hero had, to say the least, last season. I think I think the the Heat will will eventually develop him more defensively. As I I think I mentioned it to you in our previous podcast. Rookie guards tend to struggle. In, in on defense, that's certainly normal. But I think he he should show some improvement. Now, moving on, if you leave Duncan Robinson in that lineup, then you you're gonna have excellent spacing. He's probably one of the one of the top two shooters in the league, and you're gonna lose a little bit of that with Tyler. I don't know. Tyler's not a bad shooter. He's a really good shooter, but. Duncan's Duncan had an all-time great shooting season last year, so you'll be banking on him repeating that type of success. So I think the Heat have an interest conund- interesting conundrum in that department. I'm going to throw another name out there with for the awards: Goran Dragic for Sixth Man of the Year. I think he should definitely be under consideration if he he keeps on playing. He if he plays the way that he did in the playoffs, I think he'll certainly be in the discussion. Some other players I have for that. Maybe Montrezl Harold repeating. It depends what the Lakers do with Dennis Schroeder if they keep him on the bench alongside Harold. Uh, what do you think are some of the... Let's go for a broader broader look. Some other top contenders for, for the awards. Let's start with MVP. Man, I mean MVP. There's a there's a short list out there, man. It really comes down to I think three names. Giannis, of course, has to be at the top of the discussion. You know, if you're looking at Vegas odds, he's probably at the top again or near the top. Uh, Luca is going to have a great opportunity. Uh, it all depends on how well the Mavericks do in terms of regular season record. If they can break into the top four, I think he has an excellent chance because the counting stats are going to be there across the board: points, rebounds, assists. I believe his shooting percentages should go up now that he has, uh, you know, another year under his belt, and uh, having a guy like Dwight Powell coming back from injury, uh, you know, Porzingis being a little bit better, 
And just the pieces around that team fit a little bit better now. I mean, sure, Seth Curry is gone, but you bring in Josh Richardson, you help that defense and maybe take a little bit of the playmaking duties off of Luka. That's going to help him as well to kind of conserve energy and be even more effective so that he doesn't have to dominate the ball as much. So it's kind of like a, a quality over quantity proposition for him. And then the third name, man, how about Anthony Davis? Uh, LeBron just talked about him. Um, it was like I think it was Markeith Morris mentioned it like yesterday or the day before that he wants to see AD go for MVP because he thinks he's capable, and I absolutely believe him. Uh, I think that bubble run is a is a sign of things to come for AD. You know, he shot the lights out. He was pretty much a man amongst boys for the most part in that bubble, and there's no reason why that shouldn't continue. Especially if LeBron takes another kind of like a back seat in the regular season, he conserves his energy, he saves himself, misses some games. AD steps up. He's younger. Uh, he has the opportunity to play um, more games, more consistently, play, play more minutes than LeBron. And uh, that two-way dominance, which won Giannis the award last season, should really help AD make a case of his own. So those are the three names on my list, man, top three. I think they all have a great opportunity. And uh, the only case against Giannis is voter fatigue. People might get tired of voting for him, so he might actually not have the absolute best odds. Uh, but I would be very excited if Luca or AD were able to come through with the award uh, because they're both incredible talents with great teams. So they're going to be competing against each other. It's going to be fun to watch. And in any case, you know, one for some special basketball, regardless of who takes home that award. Yeah, I think I'm going to, I think you have two of my three picks. I think Giannis it's a pretty long shot to win third straight MVP. There's a reason why nobody has done it since Bird in the mid-80s. Not even LeBron could do it. And with the Heat when he was incredible. Although in 2014, KD was bananas that, that season. But you have Giannis and Luka. I certainly have them too. I think Luka probably is my favorite. Depends if the if the maths, the maths finish with a top four seed in the West. I think he has a really, really good chance to get it because as you said, the counting stats are going to be there which are <laughs> incredible. And he's he's going to be 22. I think the storyline will be there for him as this guy's got next or he's probably got now and and if, if he makes the math serious contenders, I think the award the award is his for to lose. And my third pick, which is where I defer with you. I have Damian Lillard. I think, I think Lillard, with the improvements that the that the Blazers made this offseason, I think the they have a really really good chance to finish as a top four, maybe top three seed in the West. Because here's my here's my take. I think Denver might take a step back. Losing Jeremy Grant, I think, was pretty big for them. Paul Millsap and and Jamichael Green, my you know my might with might make withstanding that loss a little bit easier, but I think they they might take a step back unless Jamal Murray continues with the hot streak that he showed us in the bubble and this apps continues to play out of his mind. Jokic is still the best center in the league, but I think losing Jeremy Grant will hurt him. And then the Blazers got really strong. They acquired Robert Covington and they acquired our very own Derrick Jones Jr., who I who I've spoken about in two Blazers podcasts, which I've been invited to, and I just gave him glowing reviews. I think he's going to fit really well for them. Actually, Terry Stotts came out and said that he was going to start in his me- in during a media session. 
So I think that's a really exciting, a really exciting development for him. I'm rooting very hard for him to succeed over in Portland. So as with Willard, I think the county stats will be there as well. If he continues his incredible offensive production and he improves just a bit on defense, I think he'll certainly be in the mix. I think the top two should be Luca and Damian Lillard. Hey, hoopheads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Moving on to defensive defensive player of the year, I have Rudy Gobert, AD, and Bam. Who do you have? Uh, you know, JJ, I really can't. I find myself, it's, it's very hard to go with three other names than those guys. Uh, you know, you're thinking of three just top-tier defensive guys. They really anchor their teams down, and it reflects in the numbers. It's not just something you look at and say like, oh, they're, they're three long athletic guys. And, you know, of course they're going to be great defenders, but it comes down to performance. I think for Bam, uh, what he needs in order for him to give, you know, have a better shot is for the heat defense as a whole to improve. Uh, the heat defense wasn't as strong as it once was. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, but he's going to need to see that heat defense kind of break back into the top 10 in the league. Uh, the offense broke into the top 10, but the defense took a step back, which is not what you want to see if you're going to be in contention for that award, which is to say that, you know, you have the biggest influence on your team defensively of any player in the NBA. So uh, the individual numbers are there for him. I'm sure if you go look at advanced numbers, they all bear that out. And they say that he's a fantastic defender as a team defender and individual defender. But I mean, you look at Gobert's numbers, like the advanced numbers love him. Uh, you know, Giannis, of course has a great case of his own, winning it last season uh, because he's just a Swiss Army knife in the biggest way on that end. So, I mean, yeah, those probably the three front runners, man. Like, I can't really deviate from that list just because two of those guys have won it before. And then uh, the third player, we just talked about as, as having a great case already just because, you know, he was already in the conversation last season and uh, the team should be uh, even better on that end. Uh, or should, or hopefully is going to be better on that end than last season. So that's the last key for him, man. So, um, you know, tough for me to kind of pick somebody to win that again um, or to, to, to pick a winner for that award. But, I mean, Giannis, I guess, again, why not? Because, you know, he has the combination of his own brilliance along with the team. Just their scheme allows for them to be a great defensive team. Like, why not he win it back-to-back just like Gobert did? Uh, he has the, the the gifts for it. Everything is kind of working in his favor. So that's kind of the short list, man, for me. I can't really uh, – there might be some other names out there that can make some noise. But if I had to pick somebody to win it, it would probably be in that trifecta that you just mentioned here um, just a minute ago. You know what, man? I'm going to I'm gonna 
make a homer pick. I'm gonna pick Bam to win that. If I if I'm if I had to to bet money, I'm gonna bet on Bam. The key would be, as you said, improving our defensive efficiency. We were 12 last season, which is not bad, but not great. And in order to win defensive player of the year, you need to have at least, I think, a top six defense defensive rating for your team. So I think that would be the key for Bam, how the team performs. He's certainly our defensive centerpiece. And yeah, I think with the improvement in the defensive back, in the uh, the defense on the backcourt, I think that that'll help out a lot because that less drives to the rim and less open shots in the perimeter, which I think help will help massively with our defensive efficiency. I think those are the two awards that I wanted to cover because the other the other awards, it's like executive of the year. I think there's a clear front runner, Rob Palinka, but executive of the year is not a really sexy award. You you think because because listen. When, when they handed it out, which I really, really dislike handing out awards this th- that late into the into the offseason because nobody really cares anymore. And they gave it to Lawrence Frank, and it was hilarious in, hang- in hindsight seeing the Clippers executive getting a the executive of the year after his team just blew a 3-1 lead in embarrassing fashion. So I think the executive of the year... My front runner is Rob Palinka, as I said, and Neil O'Shea, who had a we had a great talk to with and and yeah, we we had a great talk with on uh, over at SBC. He was he was really cool. And the Sixth Man of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and Most Improved. I think those are those are awards that after a month or two into the season, we might have a better feel of of what's to come for those awards. Anyway, let's move on to some other news. For the first time since 2015, the Miami Heat will play on Christmas Day. Miami will host the New Orleans Pelicans in a matchup that I don't necessarily love. I would have abs- I really would have liked to see Philly play the Heat on Christmas Day. Well, there's the storylines were there Jimmy against his old team, an old improved team after such a disappointing season and I think I'm basing it more off that last season's incredible regular season game in Miami. I, I, don't, I don't know if you know what the one I'm talking about where Tyler Hero made that shot. Then the craziness with the free throw at the end. Uh, that was an absolutely incredible regular season game. So I think I would have rather have played them in Chris, on Christmas Day or Boston. We defeated them, defeated them in the Eastern Conference and Boston or Miami have a lot of history. However, I think the Bam Zion matchup could provide us with some real fireworks because I expect Bam to match up with Zion, at least on the defensive end, and they're both explosive athletes that are absolutely entertaining to watch. Zion's a very entertaining player, and the numbers, uh, I saw, uh, I read something today that the numbers when the Pelicans are on national TV or box office, so you can't deny that. And when I talked to Bo Estes, or shout out to Bo Estes, who you, who you had on on your pod, it was a great pod, man. And he's he's always really cool. And I asked him, why why do the Pelicans have so so much national TV games, and the Heat do not? The Heat were literally in the finals last year. And he said, well, the numbers say that Zion is 
a much bigger draw than Jimmy and Bam. And that's the reality of the situation. What are your reactions to this Christmas Day game? Uh, yeah, it's funny you bring that up, JJ, because I, yeah, I do remember talking to Bo myself about this on my pod. And yeah, basically he said exactly what you had mentioned before. It, it comes down to ratings, man. And that's really what drives the, uh, the, the people on the back end that make these decisions about who plays who, who gets Christmas Day games. It, it really doesn't come down to who had the best regular season last season. It doesn't come down to who earned it. You don't really earn a spot on Christmas. You really just, I mean, you do in a way because you have to have great players. You have to be a good team. So you can, you kind of do, but it doesn't just come down to, oh, we had the best regular season record. We're automatically in the, uh, you're the Knicks. right. I was just, yeah, I was actually going to mention them because uh, yeah, the Knicks are just the Knicks. They have a big market, but I'm glad they don't have one this year because, you know, they can't get anything right. And their teams are always garbage. So uh, leave them out for the foreseeable future NBA. Uh, <laughs> but just just looking at what we like our Christmas Day spot. Yeah, I mean it, it comes down to like what do the casual fans want to see? That's a word that a phrase that Bo used on the podcast was casual fan. We're not casual fans, so we're coming to see the best basketball product. Uh, you know, for the, the casual fans, just want to see the most exciting basketball product. There's a difference. So not necessarily the best teams, but they just want to see the most fun players, the players that really kind of grab the attention of people who may not watch the NBA on a consistent basis. So Zion, Zion's that guy. Like they just saw him in high school on YouTube and it's carried over into the NBA. So that's why they have a slot. Uh, you know, the, the record from last season doesn't reflect uh, being worthy of a spot. Uh, it is kind of crazy because the last time we played on Christmas, man, it's we played the Pelicans five years ago. Uh, back yeah. when we had uh, D-Way still on the roster, Chris Bosh, Wall, Dang, uh, you know, Justice Winslow. Uh, just really incredible, man. Like we won an OT by six points that game, uh, believe it or not. So it's almost like things are coming full circle for us. And uh, if you had asked me five years ago, uh, if you had told me, that we'd be playing the Pelicans again and they would not have Anthony Davis, I would just be blown away because I'm like, if they don't have AD, how do they get a Christmas Day game? But the uh, basketball gods are looking down at the Pelicans. They got another you know, incredible transcendent star. So they find themselves in the position once again. And I'm excited to see Bam match up with Zion like you mentioned. It's just because you know Bam has that chip on his shoulder being a defensive player. He wants to prove he could be uh, defensive player of the year. And then Zion's another incredible test, just like Giannis was for him. So I think it's going to be two incredible presents uh, coming together on the court. And it's going to make for a lot of fun basketball because Zion's going to want to get into the lane and, and make his move. But that's where Bam operates the best. So we'll have to see how it goes. But uh, I'm going to give us the win by another narrow margin, maybe by six points like last time. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I think we have the superior team. And, uh, you know, but the Pelicans will make it interesting because they have some offensive talent like Brandon Ingram. So um, kind of crazy how things work out, how it comes full circle that way sometimes. Yeah, I think as I heard you talk and I, I was I spent the last few days thinking, the matchup has kind of grown on me because as you said, as, as we said, that Zion-Bam matchup, there are two freak athletes going at each other and that always makes them for, for some entertaining TV, which is, which is what the league wants. They want 
They want good TV on that on that Christmas Day. The other mat uh, one, I think the matchup that the non-heat matchup that I'm really really excited about. And again, I covered the Lakers, but I think it's still a really exciting matchup. The Lakers Mavericks game. What a game that might be. That's the face of the league against the kid that's got next. And those are two teams that that are very fun to watch. And seeing the matchup, I think, is going to be a blast. Anyway, you have any other Christmas Day matchup that you liked? Uh, well, yeah, actually, we, me and Bo talked about this uh, as well, just talking about Christmas Day matchups. And, I mean, if you... Of course, you know, Lakers-Mavericks is going to be a a showstopper just because current face of the league, next face of the league, uh, it's going to be an incredible showdown. But but let's look at uh, let's look at Nets Celtics for a moment, man, because you have you have KD returning, you have Kyrie coming back from an injury of his own, but the Celtics have a couple of guys in Brown and Tatum that really offer. Uh, interesting matchup on both ends because both are pretty solid defensive players as well as offensive players. But you mentioned earlier the Nets are going to struggle on the defensive end, so it's going to be a real tug of war, and it's really going to be a test for the Celtics because in the front court they've historically struggled, but the Nets are kind of bringing into that matchup two solid seven footers in Jared Allen and in DeAndre Jordan. Um, not the most intimidating guys but they have a lot of depth and even though you know their stars might not be two-way players they do bring a lot of offensive creativity and talent to the table so uh you know i would say that's an underrated game it may not be the one that everyone circles on the calendar but uh you know it's one of those games that you can't kind of you can't really look away from because we have one of the greatest wings to ever play the game in KD but a wing that's coming up behind him and Tatum that's going to be looking to make his mark on the league and show people that like I'm going to be in that class of KD putting up 25 26 27 points a game in my own time and he may already be there so I think he has a lot to prove and the Celtics have a lot to prove coming off of a disappointing playoff run so for those reasons uh, I would say don't sleep on that game because it has a lot to offer um, for both ends for casual fans and the hardcore fans like us. Yeah, I think it's going to make for a great TV, yes, because it's going to be, unless he gets injured again, which I hope not because he's one of my favorite players in the league, but Kyrie's going to face his former team for the first time. And coupled with the with the things that you just mentioned, that's going to make some really good television. And the NBA, I think the NBA might be pleased with the ratings of, of those games. Anyway, now that we're now that we're talking about the schedule, with the schedule coming out, what are some games that you'll be most anticipating? I, for your answer, I, I have it in front of me, and the Heat have a pretty, pretty significant schedule. Pretty significantly, I don't want to say hard, really hard, but it's going to be challenging after Christmas Day because they play the box in December on back-to-back games, December 29 and December 30. They're both in Miami. Then they travel on January 1st to Dallas. They have a game against the Thunder, who are not going to be very good, in Miami. And then they face the Celtics, the Wizards, the Celtics again, and the 76ers and the 76ers. That's a 
that's a really tough stretch for them. What are some games that you're looking forward to? Well, the first one I want to kind of mention here, man, is, uh, you know, let's go to New Year's Day, January 1st at Dallas. We just talked about Luka being one of those faces of the league, or the next face of the league, rather. Uh, that's going to be a stiff challenge for for Miami. Uh, they have another roster that's that's I feel like it's built in a similar way. Like they have a great six seven player that can really be a great playmaker and score, just like we do in Jimmy Butler. They have a great uh, big man that's almost like a, a unicorn in Porzingis. We have Bam. Uh, you know they have a lot of great, really tough two way players like Dorian Finney Smith and Josh Richardson, who we used to have on our roster. Yeah, and you know I I just see some similarities there from. Just a standpoint of they just really are greater than the sum of their parts. Like you just look at the roster and you may not see much beyond Luka, but it just they they're so well coached uh, as as the Heat are a great organization, and you know they're going to be an offensive force that's looking to shore up their defense just like the Heat are. So for those reasons, you know I I just see a lot of overlap there. I see a lot of similar goals and uh, ambitions from the two teams. And that's why I think that New Year's Day matchup is going to be so fun. Uh, you know, and fun fact here, man, the Heat are 6-1 and one all time on New Year's Day. And one of those wins were in 2016 against the Mavericks. So if we're going to the history books, I think the odds are in our favor. But uh, yeah, just all together, man, it's going to be a really great matchup. And then also Dragic and, and, Dragic and Doncic have a great relationship. You know, they have that, the international ties there. So, uh, you know, it's only right, man. It's only right that they get together again on New Year's Day, start of a new year, and just kick off what could be another great rivalry. We've had a lot of great battles with the Mavericks in the past in the finals. So a lot of great underlying storylines that can make this matchup a lot more fun than maybe people will get to give it credit for uh, just looking at it uh, initially at the schedule. Yeah, I... The matchup that I'm really looking forward to are the two Bucks games the, after Christmas Day. I think the Bucks are going to come out swinging. They've heard all the talk. They certainly know that Giannis might have a wandering eye for Miami. I think there's your requisite one, once, at least once mention of Giannis coming to Miami. I think that's probably a running joke in the pot now. I have to mention it at least once, unless, unless he gets here, which I really hope he does. <laughs> but that's a topic for another day. But I think the Bucs are going to be... They might come out pissed. Because they lost in a very embarrassing fashion to us. And those games are going to be really fun. And I think Giannis might want to prove that Miami's not the, not the Giannis stopper. Or that Bam is not the Giannis stopper. So I think they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder. It's going to make for fantastic basketball. Another stretch of games that I think kind of worries me as a fan after the back-to-back Sixers games which I mentioned that come off of the back of playing Boston they play the Pistons on um, January 16 and January 18 which you know they have a lot they this looks like this Pistons have all the centers in the league but <laughs> the Pistons are not going to be really good then it gets interesting January 20th Toronto, which is going to be played in Tampa, the Tampa Raptors, we should say, we're going to, oh yeah, it sounds really weird. <laughs> and, well, that's 2020 for you. 
Oh, although it's it's technically go, it's technically going to be in 2021, but for the sake of the joke, let's let's just let's just assume. And then they played the Nets back to back, January 23rd, January 25th in New York. Then they go to they go back to Miami and they play the Nuggets and the Clippers and the Kings. So that's going to be another interesting stretch for the Heat, which is going to be very challenging. They're going to face at least in, from January 23rd to January 28th. They might face they might face three of the top ten offensive teams in the league: in the Nuggets, the Clippers, and the Nets. So that's going to be a uh, it's going to be a measure of 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 how good defensively we are this coming season. And I think those improvements that we made on the defensive end are going to be huge, especially with guards like Jamal Murray and Kyrie coming to town. I think Avery Bradley is going to be huge for us. What do you think? Do you mean, I'm with you, man. Just thinking about what Avery Bradley brings to this team from the standpoint of point of attack defense, it's, it's going to be huge because I remember just looking at Heat Twitter last season, and that was one of the main points of concern for the team. It was like, wow, like, Kendrick Nunn is a, is a flamethrower. Drogic is a flamethrower. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, but none of those guys are going to get you a stop when it really matters if they're going against in any kind of elite guard. So he needs somebody to be able to come in and uh, shore up that defense a little bit and get us back on track like we're accustomed to seeing in past heat teams. So he's going to offer that, no doubt. But also, I mean, Avery Bradley has been around a long time. and He's seen... A lot. He's been a part of a lot of great teams, the Lakers, the Celtics in their earlier days. And, you know, he's going to be a, a consummate professional, uh, I think, as well, which is huge. And he just seems like another heat culture kind of guy, just somebody that goes about his business. And not a lot of fanfare, not a lot of, of huss or anything like that. Just get the job done. That's uh, that's what Pat and Spo and the guys are all about. Just get the job done. So, yeah, I can't wait to see how he fits with that lineup and respective lineups. I'm really excited to see like if he starts day one, does that change as time goes on? I really think that lineup is going to be fluid, to be honest. I don't think what we see on day one, as far as the starters, is going to change from the last day. Uh, I think Jimmy and Bam are um, solidified, but the other three pieces will, are kind of interchangeable. We're just going to have to see what works best for Miami, depending on the situation, depending on the circumstance. And uh, it's a great problem to have. You have a lot of depth, and uh, it's going to be even more important in a season where rest is going to be critical, and you're going to need to pace yourself. And uh, you know, different matchups are going to call for different lineups. So we're in great hands, and uh, there's a lot of guys I look forward to seeing. I look forward to seeing the new additions, but also just those holdovers just continue to find themselves and just get better day by day. I like to, I I said this off season, and Pat we trust. Well, now during the season, I say in Spo we trust. Also, fun fact: in that, in the Clippers and Kings games, they we're gonna play with the the Heat are gonna use their city uniforms, which is the Vice Versa, which is the final installment in the Vice uniform series. What do you think about those uniforms? I like them. I think they might probably be the, I mean, maybe the second worst Vice jerseys behind the the pink ones. I didn't really like the pink ones, but what do you think? Uh, so here's my list, man. Uh, number one, uh, the blackout, you know, Vice Knights. I think those are undefeated. 
uh, the pinnacle of greatness for Miami Vice. Um, the second season was just uh, just so beautiful and so clean. You know, I like black jerseys more than white ones naturally, so a little bit biased, but those are just so so incredibly done. Uh, number two for me is going to be the ones from last season, uh, Heat Wave or um, Vice Wave. Uh, was very beautiful. I love seeing those uniforms, man. The blue just popped and um, had a really nice kind of look to it combined with that kind of pink color that you would see on the font. Um, another masterful performance by that team. Uh, number three for me is going to be the OG White Vice uniforms. Uh, you know, D-Wade's kind of you know comeback season. That's what I remember. I have that jersey hanging up in my room, and um, it's just a classic, man. You can't beat that. Uh, number four for me is actually going to be uh, Vice Versa. Uh, I think Vice Versa is um, a little bit better than the Sunset ones. The Pinks, like, I think were my least favorite. But with that, I want to say I don't hate any of the jerseys. I, I don't think that, that the worst jersey is a bad jersey. It's just the worst in the bunch. But I think all of them are fantastic. You you can't go wrong with any of those jerseys, man. I think Vice is um, the best in the league, man. We're really blessed. We're really spoiled to have the best jerseys in the league. I don't think there's oh, any doubt about that. I think it's it's not close. We have the best the best city jerseys, at least in the, the series of that, I think. It's us. Um, well, we might be coming we might be coming from a biased place, but I don't care. I think that's that's the those are the ones. Here's my list. Now that you made one, I'm here's here's one the first I have at number one, the OG ones, the white ones. Those are absolutely beautiful. I love them. They are Fantastic! I love. They were love at first sight when I, when I initially saw them. Maybe it's because I have some memories attached to it because it was D Wade's comeback season. But I, man, those those uniforms are some of the most clean uniforms I've ever seen in, the, in it for for an NBA. Oh yeah, number two, I have Vice Knights. Those again. It's pretty close in my rankings of the OG Vice and the Vice Knights. Vice Knights are also incredible. I I think it the uh, the 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 blue font pops out better with the black, but I just I really like how the how the white ones looked in overall, but the maybe the font pops out better with the with the with the black background. Number three, I have the Vice Wave. Those were really good last season. I certainly, I would have liked for them to have used them in the playoffs, but yeah, I think. I, I you know what? I would like to see the sales numbers on on the Vice jerseys because I think they must be really high. The the because NBA Twitter, well, not. No, the vice versa wasn't as universally loved as the first two vice, but those two first vice jerseys must have sold like crazy, I think. Then I have in fourth vice versa. Again, I like it, but it's not it's not up to much of my taste. And at the bottom, I have the pink ones, which are the sunset, which again, as you said, are not bad. But they're my least favorite of the bunch. But overall, they are the best city jerseys, I think, in the league. No doubt. Anyway, Aaron, before we wrap up, would you would you like to tell us where we can find you? Sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, JJ, another great time, man. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Oh, and yeah. uh, if you guys want to find 
where I do my podcast. And it's going to be uh, BC, BC Basketball 2 on Twitter and Instagram. And I go live every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for the podcast. I go live on my Twitter page, which is A underscore A underscore R-O-N uh, 25 uh, every Thursday on my Twitter. And I have a website, bcbasketball.info, where I um, produce new blog posts and um, have some other resources up there available for basketball fans. So we'll check that out if you have the time. I uh, really appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, thanks again, JJ. Great time. Uh, I will always take an opportunity to talk about Miami because, uh, you know, they're the team to root for, man. They're the they're the guys, you know, they're, they're making things happen. And um, he nation all the way, man. So I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for coming, Aaron. I had a really fun time talking to you. You. It's always a pleasure to to have you here. And whenever you want to come on, just just shoot me a DM or anything, I'll, and I'll have you on. Or if you need me on your pod as well, it's always great to talk to you. Anyway, I'm really excited for this coming season. I am so ecstatic for the storylines and what my how our our Miami Heat team might look like after these after these offseason additions. And we didn't even talk about Precious Achua, who's a rookie, so I think I'm really excited for him. So anyway, thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcast. You can give, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and follow the NBA season, finally. See you next week. Bye-bye. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305 Culture Pod. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and watch the NBA. See you next week.